Welcome to Free Talk Live. This is the Sunday co-host edition. The uh, Ian and Mark are off on Sunday, and today you have Dale and Ryder and Neil. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. You can also call in anytime you like to talk about what you want to talk about at 603-435-1105. Uh, I want to encourage everyone to check out listen.freetalklive. If you haven't already, there's all kinds of um, different ways you can listen to the show, and that's a great way to go find out about all the different all the different ways. There's information about the webcam, about the live streams, the listen lines, all at listen.freetalklive.com. So, um, Neil... Yes, you, you you wanted to you had a subject you wanted to start us off with tonight. I I do because it's a subject that I'm really interested in. Uh, I'm sure most people by now have heard of WikiLeaks. Uh, the founder Julian Assange has been on the uh, front cover of uh, Time Magazine and Vanity Fair. Uh, this is a story about one of his uh, next big leaks, and uh, he's already given out a, a the Iraqi war logs, the Afghanistan war logs currently. Um, what they're calling cable gate or um, secret cables between U.S. embassies. He apparently has a uh, hard drive of a top bank executive, and it's uh, rumored to be Bank of America. So this story uh, tells what exactly he might be revealing. Uh, should be first part of 2011, I think, in the spring, he uh, he said. So this is uh, from truth-out.org. What does WikiLeaks have on Bank of America? WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange is promising to unleash a cache of secret documents from the hard drive of a U.S. megabank executive. In 2009, he told Computer World that the bank was Bank of America. In 2010, he told Forbes that the information was significant enough to, quote, take down a bank or two, but that he needed time to lay out the information in a more user-friendly format. Recent new reports suggest that Bank of America is now moving into high gear on damage control, creating a war room, and buying up hundreds of derogatory internet domain names, including BankofAmericaSucks.com and Brian BrianMoynihanBlows.com. <laughs> well, you should do that as soon as you start a business, get the uh, business name Sucks.com. <laughs> they, they obviously don't know how the internet works and how information is disseminated. Like, they're, they're not going to be able to stifle much with buying up a few websites. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, that's amusing. Before the big banks start calling for Assange's internment and Guantanamo, the question worth considering is what does WikiLeaks have on America's largest bank? Well, first, Bank of America is already under the gun, defending itself from multiple lawsuits from private investors, as well as Fannie and Freddie, demanding that the bank buy back billions worth of toxic mortgages backed securities. The firm stopped issuing subprime mortgages in 2001, but it kept underwriting subprime mortgage-backed securities for many years. In September 2009, for example, Bank of America underwrote $239 million worth of securities backed by subprime loans. Bank Wait, of Am- $239 million or billion? Million okay. in this uh, sentence, but it goes on to say that Bank of America has reserved $4.4 billion for these putback lawsuits. If Assange has emails showing that top executives at Bank of America knew they were peddling toxic dreck to investors, it would rock the firm and give tremendous ammunition to the ar- army of lawyers already knocking on Bank of America's door. A putback lawsuit? Did Put I miss what, where it said what that was? I, I'm, actually, <laughs> I'm confused by the term itself. Uh, but uh, maybe it's 
um, lawsuits resulting in the uh, homes that they've uh, foreclosed on now. If we have any listeners who know what a putback lawsuit is, call 603-435-1105. Please do. Um, The second one are the reckless and illegal foreclosures that have also been a subject of the news. Bank of America is at the heart of the robo-signing scandal and has wrongfully foreclosed on countless American families. One poor woman returned to a vacation home to find it locked, all her possessions gone, including the ashes of her late husband. How could such a mistake be made? A Bank of America employee uh, deposed in February 2010 said that she signed as many as 8,000 foreclosure documents a month without reviewing them in violation of the law. Mounting questions about the fraudulent and illegal foreclosure practices at the big banks and mortgage service companies prompted Bank of America to temporarily halt foreclosures nationwide in October 2010. If WikiLeaks can document that top Bank of America officials have a callous disregard for legal processes and constitutionally protected property rights, Bank of America's mounting legal liability may not be sustainable. Um, Putbacks is uh, basically what it's referring to is getting the bank to repurchase bad mortgages. Uh-huh. So the, the idea is the banks, if the banks sold bad mortgages, then a putback lawsuit is about forcing them to buy those back. What so. would be selling a bad mortgage? Um... What do you mean? What would be selling a bad mortgage? Like, I guess if they, um, uh, I, I presume it's like you know, selling a when when someone isn't really capable of paying back the mortgage. They okay, were, they did all kinds of things where where people were being financed with who were not capable of paying it back, all based on the notion that the house is going to go up in value. So if they foreclosed on it, it would be worth a lot. But but is that the bank's fault that they should be sued over giving basically well, basically and, it's a loan when you break it down. Well, if they, if they, if they, uh, I guess, hmm. And mortgages are a weird thing. A lot of people say, well, I'm being foreclosed by the big evil bank. But on the other hand, a lot of these people made, uh, signed on the dotted line on mortgages that they might not have been able to pay into the future. It is the bank's fault in the sense that what the bank was doing, the banks, um, it's, they're, they're issuing you a loan with the house as collateral, Right. Sure. And then and then if um, and then if they, you know, based on the idea that I guess if they're not being honest when they sell it to someone that this, this is a really you know, if it's a bad situation or whatever. But the idea is the bank is is, is doing it with the house's collateral. On the, and then if you aren't able to pay it back, then they foreclose on your house. I understand all that. They need to foreclose on your house. But then all the investors are being screwed over. The people who have invested in the bank are assuming that they're doing their, their due diligence. Right. To, to to vet these and to vet these people that they're making loans to, so that they will you know the idea is they are supposed to pay the loans back. They're not supposed to be like foreclosing on houses and everything. And and the houses are dropping in value, and then they sell the loans to someone else. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of biz, bad business practices going on, and potentially criminal if you're you know if you're um, if you're selling people your your stock on false premises like you know. Does that make sense? I guess. Now, yeah, is, I don't know. <laughs> isn't there a, a thing going on where if someone's about to be foreclosed on, they'll ask the bank to bring the original paperwork up, and a lot of times the bank or the mortgage holder can't do that anymore because I've it's, heard been, about that. it's changed hands so many times? Not that I'm saying that's a good thing to do or not, but it's interesting. I've heard about that. I heard them talking about that somewhere, and, and they were saying to people, if your bank is trying to foreclose on you, make sure you're, you're pursuing all your legal channels because there's a lot of banks... 
that don't have the teeth. They can't. They don't have what they need to uh, to do it properly unless you just cooperate. Like and so and so in, in theory, you know, you should ask them to yes to provide all the paperwork and the, and the justification for what they're doing, and they may not be able to. <laughs> and there are at least a dozen states that uh, require a legal process to go through before foreclosing upon a home. They uh, Bank of America has stopped. Uh, foreclosing upon homes where this is a, a requirement um, because now they've been uh, exposed. They got burned, huh? Yeah, okay. as, as just like this this one poor woman. I, I'd like to... They just uh, Basically, they just went nuts. I mean, they were making out loans like crazy. They weren't dotting all their I's and crossing all their T's is what it sounds like. And they just went absolutely nuts, and now it's just biting them in the butt, and all their investors are going are a bit upset, to say the least. So, Well, th- there, there's more that they, uh, they're going to be on the hook for if if this hard drive comes out uh, in uh, 2008 bank of america acquired country uh, countrywide one of the most aggressive and fraudulent lenders during the housing bubble the result has been a train wreck of liability and lawsuits for the megabank that now has over 1.3 million customers in foreclosure to settle the lawsuits with illinois california and eight other states over predatory lending, Bank of America came up with an $8.4 billion loan relief plan for those holding countrywide mortgages. Wow. All right. Well, we'll continue with this. You've got more to read, right, Neil? Yes. Okay. We'll continue this in the next uh, segment. We'll be back. This is Free Talk Live. You can call 603-435-1105. Free Talk Live. You're listening to Free Talk Live, the Sunday co-host edition with your host Dale. And Ryder. And Neil. And we were just talking about the WikiLeaks uh, releasing some documents related to the Bank of America. Yep. Uh, hopefully hopefully that is going to happen uh, in a couple months from now. He's uh, said that's going to happen in uh, a spring of this year. And this article right here is outlining some of the things that could be extremely revealing uh, and damaging on on the part of Bank of America, they're already facing a lot of suits, uh, both from homeowners whose homes have been foreclosed on, uh, which some of which didn't even have mortgages under Bank of America. Uh, this one that uh, we uh, left off on was talking about a uh, fra- a fraudulent lender uh, called uh, Countrywide uh, that it acquired and is now facing uh, millions of dollars in lawsuits from. And uh, it goes on to state that uh, there is no end in sight for these suits. In June 2010, the state of Illinois sued Countrywide again, this time over racial discrimination in its lending practices. WikiLeaks could have further documentation of Countrywide's illegal and reckless underwriting practices or ongoing fraud at Bank of America. There's also uh, taxpayer-paid bonuses. Uh, Bank of America acquired the brokerage firm Merrill Lynch, for $50 billion in January 2009, the U.S. government blessed the merger with a $20 billion bailout loan to aid Bank of America. After the acquisition went through, it was revealed that Merrill Lynch had lost $15.8 billion in the last quarter of 2008 and that $3.6 billion 
$1,000 in bonuses were paid ahead of schedule to top executives at Merrill. Among benefic- uh, beneficiaries of the bonus bonanza was Merrill CEO John Thane, who famously spent a million dollars redecorating his office at the height of the crisis. Now, are they saying that these are going to be in the leaks? Uh, As- yes, knowledge about this and... Uh, uh, apparently, uh, callous a- attitudes towards uh, taxpayers. Well, weeks after the bailout went through, it was all over the news that bank execs were taking vacations to Aruba, the Bahamas, all sorts of things. And so that's not really big news, I would say. And, I mean, the outrage came through, and what happened? Nothing happened. Hey, they kept their money. You know, it's it's nothing new, but this is directly from their mouths. This is... These are private. It, it sounds like it's something you know. You can move a move a loss move on a lawsuit based on it versus right. just outraged that they were acting irresponsible. Although I don't know about the visibly. chain of evidence, though. If that's yeah. been hacked or the, uh, the documents were obtained not through legal means, I don't know how it. Oh, I see what you mean. Be, though, yeah, if it's if yeah for for a lawsuit, they would have to be they'd have to vet the evidence, which isn't really viable for a WikiLeaks. Who's going to sue who? Because it would be the federal government's money, right? That Bank of America is squandering. Um, well, it sounded to me like banks are, like banks sell to other banks. You know, Bank of America would like unload some loans onto another bank. They'd sell them and things like that. And if they were, if it turns out that they weren't completely honest in their dealings with that or something, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm speculating a bit here. So that's my guess is it'd be other banks suing them. About the deal, New York Attorney General Andrew Cuomo said, One disturbing question that must be answered is whether Merrill Lynch and Bank of America timed the bonuses in such a way as to force taxpayers to pay for them through the deal funding. If WikiLeaks has emails showing top executives knowingly used bailout bucks for bonuses, this ugly chapter in history could be reopened, prompting congressional investigations and further bailout backlash. In addition to the $25 billion in TARP bailout money and the $20 billion for purchasing Merrill, America recently learned uh, of the extraordinary actions taken by the Federal Reserve to prop up Bank of America at the height of the crisis, details that were kept secret from the public. When the Fed was forced to release data about its emergency loan programs in December 2010, we found that Bank of America tapped an estimated $931 billion from the Fed in short-term loans and government subsidies. If WikiLeaks has information showing that America's biggest bank is only being kept alive by accounting tricks and ongoing government subsidies, (laughs) the result could be another government bailout. Oh, lovely. Or it is possible we might see the first orderly dissolution of a too-big-to-fail under the new Wall Street reform law. Probably oh, the entire yeah. system is kept afloat by accounting <laughs> yeah. tricks and uh, smoke well, and I just, I just find it interesting with all these subsidies and with the with the way they keep buying out other banks. It's almost the, the name is very telling that Bank of America could truly be the Bank of America before long. You know, it's it's being propped up by government subsidies. It's too big to fail, so they're just going to keep propping it up forever and ever. It seems like they'll just keep buying out other banks, even though they they're in horrible financial trouble. Apparently. Uh, so it's the Bank of America before long, it seems like. Bank of America doesn't just want want you to know that their CEO, Brian Moynihan, doesn't suck. They want you to know that their top staff doesn't suck either. <laughs> the bank has uh, started buying damaging domain names for a long list of executives, prompting many to wonder just what have those executives been up to over that's, there at Bank of America. That's bizarre that they would, like, 
Number one, that, that's just bad. One that they that, that they care about it is kind of silly. It's like I don't know, but but also that they think it's gonna gonna do any good. No, right? Uh, that you could possibly get every domain name that someone who wants to smear you could could grab. And, and it's the, impossible. The, but the fact that they feel they need to do this enough to wait to spend some money on it, maybe you know, maybe it's a trivial amount of money in their eyes, but it's still. You know, the fact that they feel they need to do this is very damning. There's also more pejorative epithets, you know, that you could uh, attach to this name. That it, it is, they don't <laughs> just suck, they blow, you know. <laughs> How many other permutations are there out there? But Yeah. I mean, I, I still have my bank account with Bank of America, and I've, I've been really meaning to switch to a, a local credit union. Oh, man. I, mean, I, I have affect my decision because... I, 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 had, I had money, I had some, my, my IRA was with Merrill Lynch, and they bought it, so... You're stuck. I haven't I haven't dealt with it yet. I can I could move it. I it takes effort and and you know stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you, Nick is really shooting me daggers right now. <laughs> what with what? With I don't my, know. You looked at me like you know. It's funny, but <laughs> of course it takes effort. I was just thinking maybe maybe we should just go Sam's route and put it all in a treasure chest buried in our yard. But <laughs> oh, well, it, it, it's I'm sure there's I'm sure more than than one person is doing that. Maybe someone yeah. in, in Keene might have to uh, get a metal detector now, <laughs> giving them a tip. Yeah, but, so, yeah. well, so that's what's going on with Bank of America. You know, uh, hopefully when it becomes more uh, concrete to individuals when it comes to their money and their uh, mortgages and their homes, they might show some more outrage than has already been displayed with uh, some of the things that WikiLeaks has has published. Uh I, you were telling me earlier that there's now a, a revolution of sorts happening in Tunisia over the uh, results. We, well, of the, the, we, we should talk about that next, actually. So, you know, in the next segment, we'll talk about the, what they're calling in one article the first WikiLeaks revolution in a foreign policy dot com. WikiLeaks in foreign policy dot com, there they have an article about the the WikiLeaks revolution in Tunisia, and so we'll talk about that next. I think the idea is, you know, could it happen elsewhere? There, there's sort of maybe crediting WikiLeaks with pushing an already upset populace over the brim, you know, off the fence, so to speak, into a revolution. So could that happen elsewhere? Could it happen here? That'll be interesting to talk about. At 603-435-1105, this is Free Talk Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. This is the Sunday co-host edition with your host, Dale. And Ryder. And Neil. And I wanted to bring our listeners' attention to the Shrine at shrine.freetalklive.com. You can see the Shrine of Female Listeners. Talk radio is is known for being sort of dominated by a male audience. And uh, there's actually a lot of... Uh, uh, Free Talk Live is kind of breaking that trend, actually. And the Shrine is all about showing people that. So you can uh, become a part of the Shrine yourself. Show that you're a fan. Um, with a, You send a picture to validate that you're a fan something showing like uh that, that, that it's actually you and that you have uh, some free talk live written down or something and you can it, it tells you how to do that at shrine.freetalklive.com so you can become a part of it if you like or or you could paint it on your breasts if, if you're well so no i don't i don't think they want like rated yeah i think they want to keep well, it pg-13 true there is, <laughs> there is uh, a one woman on there who's uh, very tastefully using a bumper sticker 
Uh, cool. For herself. I'm sure you can find creative ways to keep it. Dale but, doesn't look yet, at stuff like that. And yet keep it PG-13. Well, it's also important that it's not it's not a porn site. It's it's actually the whole point is to show female listeners, and uh, it's not you know it's it's not a, it's not a beauty contest. It's about it's about female listeners showing that they're fans too, and that uh, this is not a male dominated um, radio show. We it's actually a very broadly um, appealing show to a lot of different people. So, um, so we were talking about WikiLeaks in the last in the last segment and about the the information they're revealing about Bank of America, and it and there's another article that came out recently about um, about WikiLeaks. And the question is, is it did it spawn a revolution or did it like help push people past the brink over a revolution? And on um, this is on foreignpolicy.com. There's uh, the first WikiLeaks revolution, and it says Tunisians didn't need any more reasons to protest when they took to the streets these past weeks. Food prices were rising, corruption was rampant, and unemployment was staggering. But we might also count Tunisia as the first time that WikiLeaks pushed people over the brink. These protests are also about the country's utter lack of freedom of expression, including when it comes to WikiLeaks. Tunisia's government doesn't exactly get a flattering portrayal in the leaked State Department cables. The country's ruling, ruling family is described as the family a mafia-esque elite who have their hands in every cookie jar in the entire country, in the entire economy. President Ben Ali is aging, his regime is sclerotic, and there's no clear successor, a June 2009 cable reads. And to this kleptocracy, there is no recourse. One June 2008 cable claims, persistent rumors of corruption coupled with rising inflation and continued unemployment have helped to fuel frustration with the GOT, government of Tunisia and have contributed to recent protests in southwestern Tunisia. With those at the top be- believed to be the, fir- the worst offenders and likely to remain in power, there are no checks in the system. Uh, not that I believe much in internal government checks and balances. I love the whole idea of checks and balances that are all within the government. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> they're all watching each other's backs, basically. Tunisia's, uh, to, uh, let's see, of course Tunisians didn't need anyone to tell them this, but the details noted in the cables, for example, the fact that the first lady may have made massive profits off a private school stirred things up. Matters got worse, not better, as surely the government hoped when WikiLeaks was blocked by the authorities and started seeking out dissidents and activists on social networking sites. As PayPal and Amazon learned last year, WikiLeaks supporters don't take kindly to being denied access to the Internet. And the hacking network Anonymous launched an operation Op Tunisia against government sites. As long as the Tunisian government keeps acting the way they do, an anonymous member told the Financial Times. Uh, as in the recent so-called Twitter revolutions in Moldova and Iran. I didn't know about these revolutions, but well, I, uh, there's I, clearly... I, go ahead. I got to make a correction. They, they did call Anonymous a hacking network. Uh, anonymous is actually, as the name implies, a uh, loose, if you could call it, network just really fans on the uh, image board called 4chan that have, in the past, they've launched uh, campaigns, real-life campaigns against uh, Scientology, Church of Scientology, trying to get people out uh, of the church. This is just one of their latest projects. And, in fact, it was made very easy for anyone to download a program that they could target. Uh, It's called Low Beam Ion Cannon or something like that at PayPal and MasterCard. So really, it was just a, a lot of people downloading the program. They're not really hackers, but mm. um, oh, I heard, yeah, I heard about that. You download the program, and it runs, and it pings um, certain websites just over and over again. Is that right? To, yeah, to create a denial of service. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, ba- which basically means too many people are trying to access a specific point, and it locks it down because of 
right. bandwidth so the, for people who aren't good with the internet. So that's yeah. not really hacking. They're they're not breaking into any system. They're just denying other people access to it. They're, yeah, they're basically, um, you know, because you can just automate this. You can make it like ping a website a lot, and then it's just overwhelmed. It just gets overwhelmed, and people who are there trying to do legitimate business can't do it. And uh, and it's it's kind of brilliant if you think about it. I mean, there were some horrible some horrible things happening, and I think it's kind of brilliant. Well, so. it's the electronic version of all the ants swarming the co- not the cockroaches, the grasshoppers. Um, yeah, I guess the, so. The I guess so. Internet version of that is, is this a uh, childhood fable I have not yet heard? No, you never saw a Bug's Life. Oh, yeah, years ago. Yeah, I think all the ants- there's some libertarian themes in that movie. I've heard Big that. Time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they're talking about you know there's these grasshoppers that basically they're basically taxing the ants that are doing all the work and they're like hey they, they get oh, yeah. to live fat and happy they just come and threaten the ants give us some of your food or you know or bad stuff will happen to you and they're just threatening them and the ants just cave in and hand over a bunch of food not all your food or you know give us some of your food I think I said that anyway so they're taxing them basically and the, and and the grasshoppers are having this conversation we can't let these ants realize that you know they outnumber us 100 to 1 if they if they, if they get it in their heads to fight us we're we're doomed you know <laughs> we just have to keep them intimidated <laughs> and that's i guess that's kind of the idea so so apparently in the recent uh, twitter revolutions in moldova and iran there was there was clearly lots wrong with tunisia before julian assange ever got hold of the diplomatic cables rather wikileaks acted as a catalyst both the trigger and the tool for political outcry which is probably the best compliment one could give the whistleblower site so um i don't know it's not it's not an answer you know who's who's to say whether or not they they actually wikileaks was was key in pushing them over the brink to actually spawning a revolt you know but apparently then that 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 did happen and it does seem to be involved yeah an article an article about the same thing quotes the u.s state department spokesperson uh, pj crowley which i don't know necessarily who he is i guess he's a u.s state department spokesperson he (laughs) tweeted tanzania is not a wiki revolution the tanzanian people knew about the corruption long ago they alone are the catalysts of this unfolding drama yeah they don't want to give credit to wikileaks because then you know that's interesting though at the same time they do want to demonize wikileaks right the u.s government well um of course but yeah well of course yes and they want to demonize them, but at the same time, try to. It's weird. It's, they're trying to da- try to downplay their importance, but at the same time, you know, we got to stop them. They're being they're traitors and bad people and terrorists or whatever, you know. And <laughs> so I don't know. Do you think uh, you know? I wonder if WikiLeaks could be. So what is in the revel? Are people out there burning government buildings or what? Um, yeah, it didn't. There's really revolts. Say it you know, it says. Um, it says they took to the streets. Um, it just says they took to the streets. What does that even week. mean? <laughs> and then uh, what happened? Well, apparently there, no one ever went out in the street before. <laughs> People are walking their dogs on the streets. It is a revolution. Yeah, they show a guy, and he's in like he's got the the you know the face covering, and he's throwing something, and it looks like a big protest. They probably just had him pose that way. <laughs> Maybe he's kind of out in the middle of nowhere by himself. But is he? It looks like smoke. Uh, there's like a few people walking a, by, but they just look to be, they don't look to be doing that much. Is he throwing a rock at something? It looks I, like, I it looks like it could be a rock, but it, I don't know. It's off screen. <laughs> it's off the picture, <laughs> but you know, they're, they're very upset. Okay. They're, so do, do these other upset. companies quote unquote revolt sooner because they don't have as much internet and TV to distract them from what the government's doing as, uh, as we do here in America? I, I don't know. Maybe it's just worse there because their economy didn't have the 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 springiness to absorb any of 
all this bad stuff. You know, I think it's going to catch up right. to us. Right. It's just well, maybe happening a little slower for us. I mean, we don't have people in food lines yet too much. I mean, a little bit, but, you know. They mentioned earlier in the article that the Tanzanian government is having their, quote, unquote, hands in the cookie jar of every everything. Yeah, which, uh, the entire economy. You mean the sales. You mean the property. You mean it says, it says unemployment was staggering. I mean, we're going to get there ourselves. Ours isn't quite staggering. It's really bad, though. It's worse than they're saying it is, so... All right, well, we'll talk more when we get back. You can call in yourself at 603-435-1105. Talk about what you'd like to talk about. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to Free Talk Live, the Sunday co-host edition with your host Dale. And Ryder. And Neil. You can call in at 603-435-1105 and control the show. I would like to also direct our listeners' attention to the archives. You can go to archives.freetalklive.com and get shows from way, way back. As, uh, as with most of the, almost all the content on Free Talk Live, it's um, totally free. So... Uh, any you know, go back years into the archive uh, with and get um, all kinds of any any show that, uh, that strikes your fancy. <laughs> you, you can listen to the very first one. Yeah, can you from archives.freetalklive.com? Uh, quite possibly. I, I do believe I downloaded it via torrent oh. at one point. I know it's an amp perk. If you pay your amp, you can listen to the first one. Uh, I don't know. Is that it? Is that an amp thing? It's not on torrent. Don't even look. Don't even check. I'm sure it's not even there. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, you'll never get to hear that. Who knows? Maybe someone else put it up on torrent. I don't know. But um, okay, Neil. Uh, there's some crazy, cra- the knife laws in your in in the in the UK. I've always known right. there. I mean, I know they had, they came up with stabless knives recently. Stabless knives. Yeah. They so, sh- I saw pictures of these things. They were designed so that you could not like poke something with them. You could cut things. But if you tried to like jab it into someone, it had a blunt thing that stuck out past the blade. Still, you could like slice someone's veins with it, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. But they were stabless, and well, and really crappy looking knives too. And and I mean they they've banned guns since uh, I think uh, the in the nineties a full ban went into effect, and then of course all violent crime started to drift towards knives as uh, guns became less readily available to those with out criminal connections. Uh, but it's to the point now where in Scotland, even they are replacing glass bottles in bars with plastic, like Bud Light bottles, to where you can't. So you smash can't smash a stab. bottle open and threaten someone with it. No, no. <laughs> How are you? They're just going to need to bubble wrap the world before long. Is it, <laughs> that's uh, uh, knives are going to be na- made out. Of I, do you feel like you're in kindergarten? I mean, I do. Yeah. You know, if you look at the like the you have the, you have the you know the scissors they give to lo, to little kids that you can't mm-hmm. you can't cut yourself with them or something, yeah, with the plastic outside, yeah, and, like safety scissors. Oh my goodness! So tell us what is on the UK actual government website. Well, I found this through Reddit.com/slash/rlibertarian, which is a good community on uh, Reddit. Uh, this is a link to a uk government website it's uh, direct.gov.uk and this is just talking about knife crime underneath their crime and justice section and declares that knife crime can involve many things including just buying or carrying an illegal knife in recent years 
Laws on selling and carrying knives have been tightened and punishments for knife offenses increased. Before you consider buying a knife, make sure it's legal. What is knife crime? Well, knife crime is any crime that involves a knife. <gasps> Duh. This, <laughs> this can include carrying or trying to buy a knife if you're under 18, uh, which you can't even buy cooking knives uh, if you're under uh, 18. Uh, threatening people with a knife, carrying an illegal kind of knife, murder or assault in which the victim was stabbed with a knife. Isn't murder and assault more of a attention-grabbing crime than having it done with a knife to begin with? I mean, that's robbery or burglary where the thieves carried a knife as a weapon. Uh, if you carry, and, and this is the choice paragraph right here, if you carry a knife to protect yourself or make yourself feel safer but don't intend to use it, then you are committing a crime. You're also more likely to become a victim of a crime. Your own knife can be used against you. It can be used against you, so you're, you're more likely to become a victim of a crime if you're actually armed, is what they're saying. Yeah, exactly. If you, do not, if you do want to know more about protecting yourself, there are much easier and safer ways to do it. You could, for example, take a self-defense course offered by your local council or at a gym. Well, you know, what's easier than that? carrying a knife? Yeah. <laughs> Taking a course store. is easier than just grabbing a knife and keeping it in your pocket. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, if I think if you're terribly concerned with self-defense, then the, the logical thing to do would be to carry a gun. Now, right. But you can't do that over there. No. What, what you're reading, is that, a proposed, is that proposed legislation or is that this, already this, what's in place? This is just a summary on their uh, government website, just, you know, uh, for public relations, just talking about knife crimes. So, and, if, you, uh, so if you're 17, well, I have to assume you can use a knife to make a sandwich. I have to assume. <laughs> well, how did you don't get be, that knife? Don't be carrying it that. around But in if public. you walked outside on your porch or whatever or into the street with the knife for whatever reason, now all of a sudden you're committing a knife crime if you're underage? Exactly. And it, here, here, it is illegal for any shop to sell a knife of any kind, including cutlery and kitchen knives, to anyone under the age of 18. It says right here. What? Oh, my God. Yeah. I just can't so, imagine how... I, I mean, it's hard enough to... I mean, this is why gun laws are so horribly ineffective, because you can't, you can't control them. You can't keep them out of everywhere. But, but a knife, something that's so utilitarian, so incredibly... Mm-hmm. I mean, a gun has utility, too. It's, it's, a, it's a tool for defending yourself. But a knife, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so utilitarian to try and control that, to try and treat like, like that like a controlled substance is just Knives retarded. are used every day in the industrial environment, bo- opening boxes, opening pallets of whatever. It sounds knives like knives are used all the time, and it sounds like I, and I've heard stories about if you're if you're carrying something like even a screwdriver or something that could stab someone. And you don't have a reason for it that you can get, you can be arrested for that. Or, oh, a couple of paragraphs down. Any sharp instrument, even a screwdriver, can be viewed by the police as an illegal offensive weapon if you do not have a good reason for carrying it. You better so, have a good reason for carrying a screwdriver. How about that? I might want to screw something. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I think well what got I mean is, <laughs> but uh, really though, if that is just so telling because. In that case, you are guilty until proven innocence. The burden of proof is on you to prove that you have a good reason. And what constitutes a good reason? It's it's completely arbitrary. It's up to their, their discretion. And for not being able to uh, be uh, allowed to buy cutlery or kitchen knives, do they expect you to eat TV dinners until you're 18? <laughs> what if you live alone? What if you've been emancipated from your parents, you know? 
Uh, I, I don't think they'd allow that. I think they'd put you in a family. Well, then the, the government's your parents then, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's 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 what it sounds like, isn't it? That They're considering <laughs> themselves your parents. But so. what what a hassle. Even if you can legally get a knife to carry down the street, what a hassle. Whatever paperwork, whatever questions you have to answer to get it, how ridiculous. I mean, yeah, it, it I reminds know. me of the Sudafed thing we have here where just to get some medication now you need to fill out forms and yeah. show ID and it it doesn't If you want if you want medicine that really works, if you have a bad cold and you want the good stuff, the medicine that really works on your cold and that stuff really works, it you doesn't have to go up to ever roll it. back hardly ever. In New Hampshire actually yeah. they did roll back all knife offenses and yeah, possession. Yeah, a lot of free staters were involved so, with that. We got to give them some kudos. That's pretty amazing, but federally this stuff never rolls back and as far as medication goes it's probably only going to get worse over the next 10 years or whatever. Yeah, I think you're right. And, I, I, and and then the gray market, you know, there's it's right now. It's I don't even, I'm not even sure what is the legal status of ordering medication online and stuff like that. You don't need a prescription for a lot of it. Uh, I'm not sure you do I, need a prescription for in theory, but I don't know what is the status of that. Is that a big deal? Is that the kind of thing they can come after you for? I'm pretty sure you can order uh, things through Mexican pharmacies online without a prescription. Now, whether or not they intercept it in the mail, sometimes I've heard they'll send you a, a kind note. The FDA saying, uh, "We know what you did. We we, it's not actionable at this point. But if you continue to do this, we'll you'll be hearing from us. Ah, don't ship using the U.S. Postal Service then. No. <laughs> wow. But I think the most dangerous precedent of this, apart from the fact that is is now illegal to uh, <laughs> be uh, to provide for your own self defense. I mean, even uh, I've heard of little old ladies who." carry around knitting needles being accosted by the police for doing so but the most dangerous well, yeah. precedent is that you're you're guilty until proven innocent yeah you have to you prove, have to prove that you had a reason to carry it like yep. you know it's just that's that's what blows my mind you know a late, an old lady carrying knitting needles like well she has some yarn and stuff in her in there with them isn't that her reason <laughs> it's, it's nothing new I, i've heard for years and in fact there's there's a uh, recent story uh, from Maryland, where a, a man was carrying $28,000 in his uh, car, and it was seized by the uh, Maryland Police State, uh, not <laughs> Maryland State Police, although it's a police state there, asset forfeiture unit. And now he has, yep. he has the right to, quote, right to file charges in civil court to prove that he had the money legally. Yeah, he has to prove that it was legal instead of them having to prove that it was illegally obtained. Obtained. That's that's the, correct. The default. They, they, uh, my my understanding, as I understand it, anything over ten thousand dollars, it's assumed to be drug money, exactly. unless you can like prove that it's not or something. Well, you, you have to have special confiscate. permission to withdraw ten, over ten thousand dollars in cash from your bank. They they really? will have the uh, Secret Service meet with you. Ah. Lovely. <laughs> okay. Well, um, if you'd like to call in on this uh, Sunday co-host edition of Free Talk Live, the number is 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. This is the Sunday co-host edition. Mark and Ian are off. This is your host, Dale. Ryder. And Neil. And uh, we were just talking about the crazy knife laws in the UK. And I was going to bring your attention to the BBS 
you can go to bbs.freetalklive.com where there's a forum where you can talk about things that we talk about on the show and lots of other things. Um, so check that out, bbs.freetalklive.com. And I want uh, there's a there's a cracked article about the nine stories that that everyone got wrong last year, and uh, just a few of them I want to talk about. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but there's a few of them that I want to talk about. One in particular, they talked about the tea parties, which I thought was interesting. And I, I'm not I wasn't into the tea parties. Didn't go to any of their stuff. I didn't have any any interest in going to any of the tea party stuff. But I did find it interesting from the point of view of just knowing that people were getting upset enough. To do these, you know, to, for there to be this, this actually be active and be yeah. out there, and and for the average person to go to a protest, whereas it might have been the first protest and demonstration they've ever been to. They took to the streets. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, they took to the streets no. to walk their dogs. No, I mean, but yeah, I mean, so it's interesting that that they happened. Uh, I don't think I was a fan of them in particular, and and it sounded like they were, it sounded like they were fairly conservative. I, I uh, went to the one in Tallahassee uh, back a couple of years ago, and the purpose of me being there was to promote the Free State Project and to pass out fly- flyers. And I, I found a lot of receptive people and a lot of people that identified as libertarians or Ron Paul supporters. Uh, they stayed on message. They stayed on message about a small, uh, economically efficient government. They were heavily partisan, but thankfully they didn't go into uh, more socially conservative issues although now well, you know, I, I, I had the impression of them being really conservative and i think that i'm sort of one of these people that cra- that cracks is talking about in this case about getting the story wrong it's i don't think it was as conservative as i thought right i mean i think that there's i think there's some right wingers involved but but that's sort of what i'm going to talk about with the article what were you saying neil go ahead well uh i was just reading an article today about how a, a tea party rally in iowa is now drifting from just the economic side of it and is uh, calling for bigger government in terms of uh, more restrictions on abortions and also outlawing gay marriages. So hold they, on, hold that thought. And uh, when, when we're done, when we're done with Dale's got to get to his cracked article. Well, oh, I want to, I do want to no interrupt. Cracked no, you, like can crack inter- you, you can interrupt, but, but we're not going <laughs> to read another article yet, but for I do sure, want to yeah. read that one because I think it'll be interesting after we're done with this. But number eight on the list of nine things was Christine O'Donnell and the tea party. And the way we heard it was the Tea Party is just a swarm of redneck doofuses, not only unworthy of serious consideration from the rest of us, but 100% deserving of scrotum-based epithets. I don't know what those were, were exactly, what? but... Oh, that's linked. I love it. It's a link, and I'm like, I'm scared to click the link, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to click the link, but scrotum-based epithets, because they're just that ridiculous. And Christine O'Donnell was the new queen of the crazies. It didn't take long for us to find out that she was personally bankrupt, a dabble in witchcraft, and not and not all that knowledgeable about this holy document she swore she was building her candidacy around. Plus, everyone that came, everything that came out of her mouth was pure hilarious moonshine, which is probably why she stopped giving her mouth a national platform six weeks before the election. But that didn't stop the media from talking about her because O'Donnell so perfectly represented everything else about the Tea Party. Um, and I don't know that much about her, so I really I, I can't even form a, I can't really form a valid opinion on it because I don't follow I don't I don't t- follow politics that well. I certainly don't research candidates and I, I can say, but the bashing against her for supposedly being wi- a witch was enough for her to even include the acclaim in one of her campaign commercials, which I think just adds to the legitimacy in, of it. Well, yeah, include the claim. Yeah, she had she actually oh, had yeah. to debunk it. Like she had to she had to deny it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's the worst thing you want to do to someone is you get in a position of denying something like that because then you're 
Because you've legitimized it to some extent, right? When it's a really ridiculous wow. accusation. So you think she so. actually is a witch, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> In what sense? Well, of the thing is, I mean, is it is it the fact that she's a witch, or is it the fact that she's an inexperienced politician? Because no matter any politician, they're going to go back in your past and find terrible things, which is yeah, why, of course. Well, that's what that's what this was. It was really ridiculous. I mean, she probably played with a Ouija board or something at a at a, yeah. at a slumber party. It was probably something silly like that. It's, I think uh, it was, uh, a, was quote. a there I was think, a. It was a oh. quote I dabbled in in Wiccan or something like that. Oh, okay. But well, it uh, was from many years it back. Was, there was a, I just remember reading a cracked article about her witchcraft in her in her past, which was obviously a, a fiction. It was just humor, but it was it was pretty cute. So um, <laughs> it says uh, there were blatant racists and blatant Obama to Hitler comparison makers. All year we saw misspelled signs and angry red red faced uh, <laughs> colonials. People like Anderson Cooper and President Obama showed how seriously they were taking the party by calling them teabaggers. And nobody blamed them because all year long the media gave us a picture of the tea party that made it perfectly clear that this is a joke. Um, But the truth is it wasn't a joke. And this is where I think a lot of people got it wrong. Um, For all those whack job birthers captured on film wearing frilly lady blouses and triangle hats... There were thousands of ordinary people just living their lives, being regular, and not liking how their Republican Party had turned out. And even though Tea Party members tend to skew toward older, middle-class white guys, their overall demographics aren't that far from the rest of the country. Of course, regular people are about as riveting as dry toast, so they don't get much screen time. Uh, Which is why it came as such a shock to everyone when 32% of Tea Party-affiliated candidates won their elections. And I, I didn't know that until I read this. So uh, yeah, how much? Thirty percent? More than that. Thirty-two percent. Thirty-two percent. So by fo- by focusing in on the ass clowns, the media painted a picture that not only wasn't accurate, but pretty much made constructive political discourse impossible. This happens all the time. The media is constantly destroying you know, productive pr- political discourse. <laughs> they didn't just fail to do their job; they did the opposite of their job, and they've been doing it for years. Like back in the 1960s when they homed in on long-haired hippies dancing like spazzes and plugging every orifice they could with flowers, <laughs> then declared these ding-dongs the voice of their generation. In reality, most kids from the 60s never looked like that or behaved that way, but that doesn't mean they inherently supported the war in Vietnam or were opposed to civil rights. They just weren't part of the hippie fringe. Look at your mom's or grandma's yearbook if you don't believe us. Or look at this picture from Woodstock. And it's interesting, they show a picture from Woodstock. And if you actually look at you know, look at all the different people, a few people catch your eyes and go, oh, hippies. Mm-hmm. But most of the people don't look like hippies in Woodstock, which is an interesting, <laughs> it's a telling thing. Does I it think. look like a Porkfest group photo? Uh, <laughs> a little more crowded, but yeah. um, I don't know if I've seen Porkfest people sitting quite that close together but <laughs> and all shirtless, but, you know, whatever. They do. They, do. they look like, they, you know, they don't look like, like hippies. They look like, you know, college students maybe, having a party. Maybe in Keene Central Square right here. Yeah. During those uh, yeah, maybe. breast painting celebrations. And it says, in case you can't tell, most of the guys are sporting relatively short hair at Woodstock. So when we watched coverage of O'Donnell in the Tea Party this year, we were only getting the bonkers half of the picture. Now that CNN is teaming up with the Tea Party Express to host the Republican debates next year, we'll probably see a lot fewer costumed revolutionaries. But everyone will just assume the Tea Party cleaned up its act when in reality it was be CNN that cleaned up its act. Maybe. We'll see. So, I thought that was that was an interesting take on it. I think I think it's this it's pretty that's pretty accurate. I think there were the kookies, you know, the, that were dressed up with the weird, you know, 
I'm not sure what it and takes to be labeled a tea partier. Does it mean you go to one of the rallies and hold a flag and all of a sudden you're a tea partier? I think it just I think if you got you know, if you if you got active enough and got out and protested and you were upset with the way things were going and you were getting a little more vocal about the political process, then protesting is not activism. And maybe that's well, controversial to say, but you're not the Tea Parties are well, not doing anything. They're not withholding their taxes. They're not apparently a lot of a lot. Well, there were Tea Party candidates, and so presumably there were Tea Party campaigners and Tea Party volunteers for campaigns. Okay, okay. And thirty-two percent of Tea Party candidates won. So it sounds like that, some, it sounds like it was effective for, from the point of view of political activism. And this is coming from someone who's completely apolitical and doesn't do political activism. I'm having I, I, I even I have to look at that. And well, say, it, it sounds was, like they were onto something there. It was effective for them. I guess, but it, I don't know if it's effective in general because the tea oh, party. Oh, I don't. Are, I don't. Yeah, I don't either. But but I, but I but I think what it means. I mean, if you're looking at it, uh, I think for the people who want to be dismissive of them from a political point of view, the people who are involved in politics and running candidates and 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 people just want to make fun of them and be dismissive of them. That's that's the what they're trying to point out as a mistake here. I, I wouldn't say they're irrelevant politically, but I would say they're blowing a lot of hot air, just like any other politician. I don't think that they're that they're, what they did is actually going to affect change, but I think that um, all those people who are, are who are actually involved in politics and running campaigns and trying to ignore them that might be a mistake. Uh, so we'll talk about your uh, Neil's um, article when we come back. Call six zero three four three five eleven zero five, and we have a caller. This is the Sunday Coast Host edition of Free Talk Live with your host, Dale. Ryder and Neil. And uh, we are going to talk about the Tea Party a little more. But first, we have a caller. Greg from Boston, you're on the air. Hey, how's it uh, How's it going, guys? Great. Oh, yeah. Um, this is actually, I'm, I'm supposing we'll tie into your Tea Party conversation a little bit. But obviously, we all know about the uh, shooting that happened in Arizona. And Representative Chuck Schumer, the Democrat from New York, is now complaining because the shooting suspect, Charlie Lunar, uh, was denied entrance to the Army for having admitted to using drugs. Apparently, under the drug control law, anyone who admits to a federal agent that they have used illegal drugs in the past should be restricted from being able to own firearms. It, this so is a proposed law, you're saying? Was, so apparently it did not have to tell the FBI about this, however. And the long story short here is that Chuck Schumer's trying to claim that if anyone who ever smoked a joint was banned from buying a firearm, or basically that if, if um, you know, that if the gun control laws had not allowed to buy this guy, it not allowed this guy to buy a gun because he had used illegal drugs in the past, the uh, shooting never would have happened. Uh, this is actually in 2008 that... The army rejected uh, the shooter uh, because he failed a drug test. So this is uh, almost three years ago now. This is nothing about what he, uh, you know, could have possibly uh, been using at the time. We don't know even. I just saw a list of the top five most ridiculous um, reactions to the shooting, and I think this one made number four or five on it. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it looks like he's trying to database everyone who has ever admitted to using drugs and stop them from buying. <laughs> Guns. Well, they 
I think that seems to, seems to be part of the whole drug war is to just make the penalties absurdly disproportionate to the actual, you know, even if you, you know, as it is now, if you're a student and you've got any kind of pot record, you're not going to get loans. You're not going to be able to get student loans and things like that. And a lot of the people who are pushing for the ending prohibition, at least, you know, knocking it down to some more reasonable level. They're saying, look, you know, you get some these kids get this uh, like a felony you know, charge or even a misdemeanor charge, and it screws up in hopes of getting student, you know, student aid and things like that. And you're just you're making them more likely to possibly have trouble in the future because they can't, you know, they can't they don't have the normal recourses available to them because this silly little thing. And this is even suggesting that currently mil- military recruiters and other officials report admissions of drug use to a national database. So this is. Probably already in effect. They just want to link the two, uh, ah. connect the ATF with that. that yeah, that what, sounds what, lovely. What's interesting, though, is when I talk to this about, um, you know, at school here in Boston, where, of course, there's a lot of people of the liberal persuasion. They uh, No, in Boston? They, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who would have thought? Um, but the thing is, they immediately, like, jump at that, like, oh, that guy shouldn't even been able to, to be allowed to buy a gun. And I said, but aren't you, like... You know, a proponent of um, you know legalizing drugs, and yet you're okay with the drug laws being used to to, to stop this guy from buying a gun, which gets into the bigger issue that there's I no consistency the there. They just that, hate guns. You know, anything to anything to any excuse to keep people from getting guns. I think they feel like it's going to be a, helpful. Well, so what I said was, I said right. I said I'm right. We should legalize drugs because, of course, if we ban drugs, then you know, like. People will just get them anyhow, and, and, you know, it just makes the problem worse, right? And they said, well, yes. And I said, but uh, banning guns won't have the same effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they and, don't get that. Know, some, they don't get that. And, and another thing I'll, I'll just comment on here is also how, um, you know, when people bring this up, I try to uh, I try to kind of, like, guide the conversation because, of course, yeah, they love to, to blame the, the Tea Party here, which um, I'm obviously not a part of, but I try to, to bring up is, like, look, people, like, like, like this is since this is stupid. Like we got to like point fingers at the left and the right for who's responsible for the shooting. Like, can we just like look at the bigger issue of how violent acts like this really, you know, really set back the general push in this country to have a freer society? And then they claim I'm a radical Tea Partier because you know I don't want to point fingers over the shooting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of silly. Had you ever seen uh, Sarah Palin's? Um, a target uh, map. Yeah, I've seen the website, man. Yeah, that that was. The, yeah, they claimed that was the reason this it, guy shot her. You know. Wait, so you're not motivated by that? When 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 you yeah, see crosshairs, you don't want to immediately pull a trigger. <laughs> yeah, on a map, dude. That's the thing. They make it sound like it was on her face or something. They're just on some random map, and it's like, you know, as much as I can't stand Sarah Palin, like, are we really gonna give her that much credit? <laughs> Yeah, it's I don't know. That's awfully. That's that's all like mind control stuff. Oh, there were crosshairs on a map, and that triggered him to go and do something. Well, I heard that was I another. Know, there were subliminal messages on Fox News that caused this. You know, that's yeah. gonna be the next thing. I heard that yeah. was another one of the proposed uh, legislations that making illegal to threaten um, uh, representatives, of course, but also to draw any representative with crosshairs 
around them. Oh, good grief! That, you know, that, that's going to be, but that's going to be a parody in something. You know, it's going to be. Well, that makes me want to do an anarchy in your head cartoon and draw cars, crosshairs mm-hmm. over someone. Can we start playing Glenn Beck episodes backwards until we find something that sounds like <laughs> an urging to shoot congresswomen and put it all over the internet? It sounds great. <laughs> you know, but, I I heard of a, another law that was proposed that would keep uh, people from within a mile of a federal official from carrying a gun. And how could anyone possibly determine where a federal official is, much less uh, that they're A mile away. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that... And why should they be more important than anyone else? Like, like you know, that, that that's what bugs me is that there's this elitism that we need to protect them. What about every, every what about every other regular person out there? You know, and, and their their lives aren't as important as that federal official. That really ticks me off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of um, just plain citizens. Most of the people hurt and killed in that shooting were just plain citizens. But yeah, all Congress, all Congress is talking about is protecting themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, to be yeah. clear, most of these proposed legislations don't seem to have a lot of backing, or at least enough backing that they would pass. Is that your uh, understanding, Greg? Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen any like indication that they're going to pass, but it's still. It's just it's humorous to me, you know. When I see Congress on there talking about how they need to protect themselves better, and you know, some nine-year-old girl has been killed, you know, like it's just yeah. ridiculous. You yeah. can't you can't protect everyone everywhere. For example, the subways. I think that's one of the most dangerous places in the world. If you step in the wrong direction, you're getting hit by a train that's going ninety miles an hour. But nobody's calling for railings. Nobody's calling for protection there, and people aren't dying left and right either. Yeah, that's right. just one example. But you can't you can't bubble wrap everything like Dale was saying earlier. And bubble wrap the world. England's trying to do it. Did you hear about the you UK know, gun is, laws earlier? And this is um, this, you know this is going to give rise to more free speech zones too. You know it. You yeah. know it, especially in Arizona where this happened. You know the Congress. You know when Congress people do events, there's something these speech zones are going to pop up, so the protesters can't be anywhere near them. You know, like yeah. You know exactly how this is going to work. Yeah. All right, Greg. Well, thanks for calling in. Yeah, um, thanks a bunch, man. Look forward. Hopefully, I will see an anarchy in your head comic about that. All right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It's it's uh, not been doing a lot of those lately. Thanks for calling. This is Free Talk Live. You can call in at 603 435 1105. Welcome back to Free Talk Live, the Sunday co-host edition. This is your host, Dale. And Ryder. And Neil. Last segment, we had talked about the Tea Party a little bit. And uh, the segment before last, actually. And Neil, you had an, another article about them. Right. And I had been to a Tea Party rally before, and they, they stayed on message as far as economics and everything. And this is kind of the first from what I've seen, an, an official Tea Party rally that's now attacking uh, social freedoms and uh, social issues. Uh, about 35 people uh, gathered for a Tea Party rally in Council Bluffs calling for a ban on gay marriage and stricter abortion laws in Iowa. This is from the Chicago Tribune. Don't you feel that, um, just going to stop for a moment, just hold your place. Don't you feel that they, whenever there's a, like what seems to be a successful political 
like small government movement of some sort on the right, whether I guess anywhere really, they 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 would just want to latch on to it. Like it's, I think they're just like they're just trying to leech off of what looks like some kind of successful thing and tack their crap onto it. You oh know? yeah, well, it's, it, they got away with it back in the the first time they happened was right after apparently, as I understood it, reading up on a little bit of political history, it was uh, the first time it really got that got going. You know, the, the, as far as that. That socially conservative group, anti-abortion, anti-gay, all that stuff, tacking their stuff on to the right was right after the Reagan administration uh, and the Bush administration, as he, as he was running for office right after Reagan. And it seems like they, ever since then they were like, they were like an integral part of the of the Republican Party. And it seems like where they're where they're good is it's not so much in getting votes in. Like t- taking on those issues isn't necessarily help a candidate get a whole bunch of votes is going to make a difference, but it gets people that are willing, that are passionate about those issues that are willing to go door to door, hang door knockers, knock on doors, call, make phone calls for you, campaign for you, volunteer for you, stuff like that. That's the impression I got. They're great. They're great workhorses. Uh, with all the uh, religious fervor that they bring to the table, it's uh, no doubt. Yeah. And I'm, I'm tired of getting these uh, terms about movements hijacked from me. I was so uh, happy to be on board for, you know, the first Boston Tea Party uh, that was put on by Ron Paul supporters. We've seen what's happened to the Tea Party since then, and then that Tea Party has now been hijacked. I'm looking at this blog post website right here, and it's got a Gadsden flag that don't tread on me. Gadsden flag, which I know in in the middle of Dale. Yeah, I got one outside my house. Yeah, and 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 they've got this right in the middle of the socially conservative group as representative of that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes no sense. The the Republicans on this, campus they're treading the crap all over everybody with that stuff. It's I, not, this, <laughs> I was in San Diego recently. I took a walk down the beach walk, and I looked up at one of the houses on the right, and they had a, the American flag below it, the Gadsden flag. <laughs> I thought that was really. Fun. I have a picture of it. I haven't posted it. Anywhere, I, I can I can see that. I mean, the Gadsden flag was not particularly anti-American. I guess it, you know it, it it's right. I mean, it, it was it was still it wasn't dissociated from America per se. I don't believe. I mean, the origins of it. it but just, someone flying it now, who are they asking to leave them alone? Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think now it's gotten, it's taken on more and more anti-statist meaning for a lot of people. Although it's, but that's obviously still not the, the only case. Republican legislature uh, legislator Kim Pearson of Pleasant Hill was among. The speakers at Saturday afternoon's gathering at the Mid-America Center. The Daily Non-Pirelli reports that Pearson said a ban would be quicker to pass than a constitutional amendment. In 2009, the, uh, these people who are supposedly for the Constitution and for protections and, and uh, not for uh, the abuse of the uh, leg- legislature are now, instead of uh, skipping a constitutional amendment, to rather go to a ban. Hang on, a constitutional ban. amendment for what? Uh, to ban... Uh, gay marriage in Iowa. Well, that wouldn't be a constitutional issue. Um, I mean, a ban would be it would be more legislative. A constitution thing is more based on the government, I would think. Although, if you look at I prohibition, don't, you, I don't understand what you're trying to say, Nick. The constitution is rules for the government to operate by, right? And so, a constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage seems to be not in line with that purpose. Although, there's a someone could bring up the point. Look at prohibition. Well, that was the, a constitutional amendment, and it didn't affect. The government, in effect, yeah. the people. Well, yeah, that, that's just it. I mean, the whole the, the, it's it's not meant for that, but obviously, people use it like that. They and and if they and the whole point of making an amendment is 
to give it more power so that it's harder to overturn, uh, especially if, the, if, if someone passes the law, then... It's harder to establish in the first place, too. It's hard to right, establish. Right, so they want to take the easy route. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, ideally, laws should take like a 90% vote. If it's such a good idea, it shouldn't be that hard <laughs> to get 90% of the legislature on board with it. It shouldn't be majority rules the minority. Mm-hmm. In 2009, the Iowa Supreme Court unanimously ruled that a state law limiting marriage to heterosexual couples violated the constitutional right of equal protection. Oh, that's why they do it. Mm-hmm. Like if it's been ruled unconstitutional, then you have to pass. Then an, you have you to pass, change you the constitution. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You pass an amendment, and now it's constitutional. Uh, yeah. <laughs> voters, it's harder, of course. Yeah. But. Voters removed three of those justices in November after a campaign targeted their support of the ruling. So, with this sweep of uh, anti-Obamianism, anti-democratic uh, control of the federal Obamianism. Was that a Freudian slip there, Neil? (laughs) (laughs) The Obama administration, what have you. Uh, You know, with this wave, they've also taken out some of the justices that have uh, a regard for the Constitution. It's their interpretation of it, maybe, but uh, still, we see this every year. Uh, Changes, in fact, in California, it was uh, speculated that the higher turnout of African-American voters due to the uh, recent uh, due to the elections back in 2008 were the result uh, were the cause of the repeal of California marriage laws for the ban on gay marriage because is a more, I guess, socially conservative demographic of society. I've heard that a lot in just, California in particular. Yeah. It's just cycling back and forth. Pearson and two of her colleagues have drafted legislation to impeach the remaining four justices. So it wasn't the, the irony that they were it. voted out. Oh, wow. Now they're trying to impeach them. Wow. Uh, the irony of that, of course, that the, the, the African-American uh, demographic is more conservative and supports those issues is that those issues, a lot of those issues, especially marriage is a big one, uh, the, you know, the military, gays in the military, those issues are incredibly analogous to when they were doing the same thing on a racial basis. When they were banning, the whole point of the government getting into marriage in the first place was to stop interracial marriages. So they could they could issue a license and not give those licenses to interracial couples. And the same thing in the military when they were saying that they let if they let black people just mix in with other people in the military, they were segregated for a while, right? Mm-hmm. If they said if we, let, if we let black people mix in, then... You know, all those racist mil- all those racist soldiers will have their morale deteriorated, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's incredibly analogous, which is the irony of uh, of this. But whatever. Have you ever heard of uh, T Bonics? I have not heard of T. Are you about to be say something really offensive? <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, go ahead. <laughs> no, that, that, that's just what uh, some people are are calling it. They're they're, they're making fun of. A lot of these uh, protesters and and their signs and just their oh tea party ebonic ebonic ebonics right right tea I, party ebonics yeah tea bonics okay they they don't really I am amused uh, they they don't really <laughs> translate all that well over the radio just because they're um, uh, spelling mistakes but just some of the um, r- ridiculousness of um, well I, I, keep in mind though as you're doing this I think I think what cracked pointed out was that these of course are the signs that immediately. The media picks up, but there's still exactly. there's still a yeah. lot of them. And there's enough for them to get quite a oh, few. Yeah. So this, this one says, "No mass illegal aliens and fugitives from justice go home." 
and I think they spell misspelled aliens. They misspelled fugitives there too. Did they say? Wait, did they say no mosque? No mosque. No mosque. Like no more in Spanish. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Because I've seen some. Like I think I've, there's a lot. There's people talking about mosques as well, like Muslim mosques. Oh, mosques. Yeah. Whatever happened to that? I haven't heard about that mosque in a while. That used to be big news. Yeah, um, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe people got some sense knocked into them because that was really <laughs> inflated, way out of proportion. There was nothing. There was no issue there. It was silly. It was, it was. So, I, I I know when I I think of Muslim ter- terrorists, I think of Burlington Coat Factory in downtown New York. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, this is uh, you can call in and. Chime in on whatever you'd like to talk about. 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. The number you can call is 603-435-1105. like to join the conversation. Um, I would like to uh, encourage everyone, if you are shopping at Amazon, use the Amazon link. That's amazon.freetalklive.com. It's a great way to support the show. You can buy just about anything at Amazon these days, even groceries, books. Everyone knows about books, electronics, movies, games. So, uh, again, you can go to amazon.freetalklive.com, and it's a great way to support Free Talk Live. It doesn't cost you a penny more than if you bought it the regular way. And we have a caller. Caller, you are on the air with Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hi. Um, I wasn't calling to uh, to respond to anything. I was just going to say that the stream is not working. But uh, I thought oh. you were going to screen the call, and that's what I was going to tell you. But which which stream is this? I don't screen the call unless it's during the break. So, sorry. Yeah, I, all right. Um, you say the no, stream is not them. working? Yeah, it's buffering. All of them. Hi.lrn.fm. FreeTalkLive.com, port 8000. Uh, okay, so. um, all right. Well, you know, Cam, we'll look into that. Did you look at the cam site, cam.freetalklive.com? That stream's no, separate. No, I, I, don't, I don't look at the cam. Okay, but, that, uh, that stream might be up. Stream so. is, all right. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying that the stream's Let's check and see if anyone else is having the problem. We'll get, look into it. Yep. Got anything on your mind while you're on the phone? Well, what were you just talking about? The, the tea party? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't like the Tea Party at all. I think, uh, you know, but whenever I hear somebody talk about freedom and liberty, I instantly bring up immigration, and it, and I know, I can see it in their eyes, that they hate Ill- the con- um, illegal immigrants, so-called, and they want to get mad, they want English, they want English to be the only language, border fence, all that other stuff. And as soon as I, you know, I get them with that, then I say, you, you don't believe in liberty at all. And then yeah. they get frustrated. That's a big I issue. It, it really is. I mean, that's really, it's sort of, it's, that's kind of the litmus test, I think, is do you want oh, liberty? I, I strike you know, the root. How, yeah. how do you approach the root, it with them? And I, I don't play, I don't play games. I go right to the root and then I tell it like it is. And then they hate me for it because I, <laughs> I challenge all of their so-called freedom beliefs. So I'm not... Uh, friends with many tea partiers. Yeah, I hear you. I, I I guess that I don't know how I didn't realize how big of an issue that was with them. They were very extremely anti-immigration. I know that it's it, it, it definitely had a reputation for being a conservative group as opposed to like liberty loving and. And a lot of the people they just like to jump on bandwagons. They yeah. don't really like to uh, 
to, to actually think about the things that they believe in. People don't like to uh, have self-introspection, and they don't like to carefully consider the things that they, that they believe. And a lot of people don't have core philosophies, and I think that's sad. I agree with you. Um, it really is amazing how xenophobic uh, some people uh, can be. We're taught as children in, in our uh, school classes that America is a melting pot where immigrants can start a new life for themselves and we coexist <laughs> Yeah, there's the Schoolhouse and we, Rock cartoon. Yeah. And we, we gave up discrimination in the 60s. You know, it, it no longer exists. I really but... did have this idealistic view of, of America as a kid. I mean, look at all the Schoolhouse Rock cartoons talking about diversity and letting people, you know, and, and like you said, the melting pot and about letting people, you know... You see the you see the Statue of Liberty welcoming all these people from boats and things. It's yeah. not, no, that's not what's happening. So, yeah, consider World War Two. Yeah, internment camps. Oh yeah. Well, no, and then they turned the, you know turning boats away. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, shoving them back in the water. It's quite a lot of that. Still happens. Still happens. So, anything else? All right. Thanks. For, yeah. No. Thanks for taking my call, guys. All right. Thanks. Uh, just. Um, Caller, this is Free Talk Live. You're on the air. Hello, caller. Going once. Going twice. Going twice. Caller. All right, you'll have to call back. We had we just had like a rush of calls, guys. I don't maybe there is a problem. I don't know if there is a problem with the stream and people are calling about that, but there were a bunch of calls and and I was trying to get to them. But uh, I don't, well, I don't think anyone them. in the chat room has mentioned it yet. If the stream was down, that would explain why we don't have any calls. But <laughs> <laughs> unless people true. are calling to say your stream is down, I don't know. But uh, it, none of the normal signals are, are are saying that, so I think we're okay. So I don't know. Um, so you you've got a um, a news item here about how China is pushing uh, for replacement of the U.S. dollar. With yeah. maybe their own currency, they're saying that people uh, that the countries Huan. should have that uh, as reserve. The the yuan, yuan, right? The yuan. The so yuan, yeah, right? it's uh, well, it's their their president, Chinese president Hu Jintao. Uh, he's been talking about this. He's on the one hand encouraging more U.S. cooperation. On the other hand, he's uh, expressing a lot of uh, a lot of l- a lack of faith in the dollar and keeping everything tied to the dollar. Which, as I've heard, it, a lot of people are saying that that's sort of the that's a linchpin. That that's going to be, if if other if other countries stop treating the dollar as like the primary currency of the world, then it then that's when it you know that the when that faith is gone, it's just a ripple effect. It's a domino effect. The house the, of cards for fall. the dollar exactly, and that's why I think it's interesting to point out. It says that um after co-op, after emphasizing the need for cooperation uh, on on things like new energy uh. And things like that. He called for the present U.S. dollar-dominated currency system. He called it a product of the past, and he highlighted moves to turn the yuan into a global currency. And considering that, and apparently, the China's held held out held through pretty well um, through this financial crisis that, that America is experiencing and the, the rest of the world. It says, "It says we both stand to gain from a sound China-U.S. relationship and lose from confrontation," Mister Hu said in written answers. Uh, to the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. He said he acknowledged some differences in... Uh, I'm going to skip that because I don't really care about that. I want to get to the dollar. On the economic front, Mr. Hu played down one of the main U.S. arguments for why China should appreciate its currency, that it will help China tame inflation, that is likely to disappoint Washington, which accuses China of unfairly boosting its exports by undervaluing the yuan, making its products cheaper overseas. 
The topic is, is expected to be high on U.S. President Barack Obama's agenda when he meets with Mr. Hu at the White House on Wednesday. Mr. Hu offered, also offered a veiled criticism of efforts by the U.S. Federal Reserve to stimulate growth through huge bond purchases to keep down long-term interest rates, a strategy that China has loudly complained about in the past as fueling inflation in emerging economies, including its own. He said that U.S. monetary policy has a major impact on global liquidity and capital flaws, flows, excuse me, capital flows, and therefore the liquidity of the U.S. dollar should be kept at a reasonable and stable level. Now, now, when he says he uh, would like to see China appreciate its currency, they they have been undervaluing it. He wants to see that va- uh, valued and and uh, I guess deflation happen or unpeg. Um, hmm. I, I don't think they really go into it. I get the. I, I, my impression was that he wanted to unpeg it from the U.S. dollar. He wanted to see, like, right now the dollar is. It's you know we have a dollar a dollar dominated currency system. And he thinks that that is, I mean, he's losing faith in that is what it sounds like to me. He says that's a product of the past. And so he's moving to make the yuan into a global currency. So he, he wants it to replace the dollar, essentially, I think, as a global currency. Um, I don't know how, how likely that, I mean, I, I guess as the dollar gets, people start losing faith in the dollar. They already are starting to lose faith in the dollar because mm-hmm. it, it's being, it's a, it's a joke. <laughs> it's becoming increasingly obvious that it's becoming, that it's a joke. So. It's not as if that's an improvement as is one fiat currency for another. It might, it might become vi- more it might become viable. Well, it is a it, it it could be an improvement if they if it's they more stable for if the it's more stable if they just handle it more term. stable. I mean, you can certainly have a more stable fiat currency than something else. It's still retarded. I mean, fiat currencies <laughs> are are a silly you know concept. It's it's sort of a fantasy notion of you know like let's just say that we're wealthier and put some numbers out. <laughs> it, it, it's you know it's uh. It's 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 pretty ridiculous. It says that uh, Mr. Hu reiterated China's belief that the crisis reflected well. He's 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 blaming it on absence of regulation and financial innovation, uh, and the failure of internet. I guess hmm. I, the, I I think the bankers. I don't know. I mean, to some extent, there's there's probably some truth to that, but I don't know. If it's, it's not so much on, on regulation. It's just they actually encourage the government actually encouraged bankers to make really bad decisions massively. I mean, on a massive scale. So it's really it's kind of silly to blame the banks. You know, when you're basically hand someone like insane amounts of money and and and, and giving massive incentives to to loan it out uh, under really bad um, pretenses, so and with really bad for uh, oversight. So, so he's saying that, and he says that. Uh, um, it says that he he. Uh, he did that. He said to fully reflect the changing status of developing countries and the world economy and finance. Uh, he called for an international financial system that is more fair, just, inclusive, and well managed. I think he's saying the dollar isn't which well managed. Means which means what? And his his currency, <laughs> their currency. <laughs> if only you put him in charge, it would work. Not, well, yeah, I think that's a <laughs> not that it's working now, but it's just a shift. It's just a shift in fiat currencies, right? Well, it, yeah, I mean, but I think a lot of this reflects how people feel about what's going on in America with our currency and how badly we managed it. That's what it comes down to. So we can talk about it a little bit more when we get back. You can call in on this subject or others at 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. This is the co-host Sunday edition with 
your host, Dale. Ryder. And Neil. Uh, last segment, we were talking about how China is pulling away from the dollar, or, or, or expressing interest in pulling away from the dollar and expressing lack of faith in the dollar, for understandable reasons. So, um, yeah, the, the, it, it basically, it's, it's, he's saying that, um, it says, Mr. Hu's veiled criticism of the Fed reflects widespread feelings among developing nations that U.S. interest rate policy is devaluing the dollar. That's no big news to us. <laughs> Prompting flows of capital overseas and creating inflation elsewhere. China and other developing countries would like the Fed to factor in those consequences when it makes decisions. Fed officials counter that their mandate is to bolster the U.S. economy and that a stronger U.S. economy is in the interest of China and other countries which depend heavily on trade and investment from the U.S. So this could be a, a major issue of contention between uh, mess, messers? Uh, who and Obama? I'm not sure what that's supposed to represent. What is M-E-S-S-R-S? <laughs> uh, it's got to be some Chinese title, right? Uh, yeah, yes, but it's referring is. to who and Obama, so it's, it may, it's some sort of leadership title. It's a French uh, okay. term for messieurs. Okay, uh, multiple, messieurs, who uh, and Obama. <laughs> the, the, that's an odd term to throw in there. But anyway, the U.S. blames Chinese currency undervaluation, not Fed policy, for worsening competitive and inflation problems overseas. How can they not... Come on. I mean, the, the Fed is doing ridiculously retarded things. How can they not take some... Uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> some of Mr. Hu's most significant comments dealt with the future of the dollar and currency exchange rates. The current international currency system is the product of the past, he said, noting the primacy of the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency and its use in international trade and investment. Uh, now I keep hearing about a proposed international currency system, but I, I hear absolutely no details in regards to it. And are they talking about expanding the role of the world I don't, think, the I don't think he's Bank saying. Uh, I don't think he's saying that. I think he'd just like to see. Like right now, I think the dollar is sort of seen as a, as like a world is kind of being a, used as a world currency. I mean, it's you know, sort of seems sure. to be. It seems to be at the foundation of currencies all around the world. And he wants to see that change. And I think he. I think he's. I mean, I think he might be implying this gonna change whether anyone likes it or not because people are losing faith in the in the dollar as a world currency, which means something else would need to take its place to some extent. But I don't think they're implying necessarily that we're all going to use the same currency, like th- that we're going to be swapping yuans in America, uh, or just that the yuan would be like the, the foundational currency instead of the dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what he's hoping for. I don't know. Um, so uh, the common is the latest sign that the dollar's future continues to concern the most senior levels of the Chinese government. And, and I think this is where it's scary is that because, you know, they own a lot of debt, Right, we we you know the, the, we borrow a lot of money and a lot of resources from them. It says, um, and and if they lose faith in the if faith in the dollar, I think the the biggest thing is that, you know, they may not do anything really drastic right away. That's like, but but what they would do maybe is just stop loaning. <laughs> like yeah. I mean, we're not loaning you anymore on these deflated dollars. You're going to pay us back with right, and then and and when our when our economy depends on that heavily. Then we're in trouble. Haven't they already froze a lot of their own uh, purchases of our treasury bonds? Oh, I, I bet. I, 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 I don't know. Do you know, Nick? Froze the... What does that even mean? Well, uh, they they refused to or threatened to refuse to purchase uh, continued uh, U.S. Treasury bonds, which would, one, spell terrible things for uh, the U.S. economy and, and whatnot. But it also goes to show how much we are currently bolstered by <laughs> Is that Chinese how our national investment. debt goes up when 
the bonds are purchased, or is that something completely different? It, well, a, anytime I, I think treasury bonds are are purchased, and certainly if you know more about uh, well, how you know, they may macroeconomics works, than I us, don't know call anything. In. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd love for someone to call in if you feel like you know more about this. I think they're going to address this a little bit in the article. So it says that um, he talks about Beijing fears not only that loose U.S. monetary policy is fueling inflation, but that it will erode the value of China's holdings of dollars within its vast foreign exchange reserves, which reached $2.85 trillion at the end of 2010. So they own a lot of U.S. money, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's becoming worthless. But it's like you invested in some stock and it's dropping like a rock. You're not going to keep buying it. You right. know what I mean? And were they to ever try to collect on that debt, then the Federal Reserve would have to go just like uh, this, Weimar this, Germany, uh, do some creative reparations and, and inflate that money, create it out of nothing. And there goes our money and there goes their investment, too. Yeah. Well, in this in this case, they're, they're actually talking about holdings. They're just talking about money that they own. Like they own $2.85 trillion. Just... It's a bunch right. of cash. Okay. It's cash reserves in dollars. So that's what it sounds like. So uh, Mr. Hu called attention to China's accelerating effort to expand the role of its own currency, describing recent moves to allow greater use of the yuan in cross-border trade and investment, while acknowledging that making it a fully-fledged international currency will be a fairly long process. Uh, it says China's moves already have spawned a thriving market for offshore trading of yuan in Hong Kong and are widely seen as the first steps toward making the yuan an international currency in line with China's new prominence as the world's second largest economy. Mr. Hu offered an enthusiastic endorsement of what are officially described as currency pilot programs. They fit in well with market demand as evidenced by the rapidly expanding scale of these transactions, he said. Um, uh, this, this, so uh, it says that Mr. Hu didn't signal any changes on the most sensitive aspects of China's currency policy, the exchange rate. And so last week, U.S. Treasury Secretary Timothy Geithner reiterated the U.S. position that a stronger yuan in China's, is, is in China's own best interest because it would help tame rising inflation that has become a key risk to China's rapid growth, which is underpinning the global economic recovery. A stronger yuan would reduce the price of imports in local currency terms. And we have a caller. Let's see if they have something to say on this subject. Caller, you're on the air with Free Talk Live. Yes, caller? Uh, hello? Hi. You're yes. on the air. Hi. I, uh, I just wanted to remind you, I don't know if y'all have talked about it, but uh, 91 years ago today was uh, the day they prohibited alcohol. Oh, I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know. Do y'all want to talk about it? I really don't want yeah. to be on there. I've called a couple times this week. But that, anyway, it's look, it's, it's fine, actually. I, you, you, yeah, go ahead. It's fine. Caller. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. I was a little buzzed up. Anyway, <laughs> that's fine too. No, I was just reading it up <clears throat> on alcohol. But anyway, I was, thank goodness for the Twenty First Amendment. We need some T-shirts made up. But, um, <laughs> hey, have you ever seen the uh, show Boardwalk Empire? It's uh, a no. It's a HBO show. They just finished their first season. It is with uh, uh, Steve Buscemi, uh, and uh, I gotta love uh, Steve Buscemi. But it, it is about a uh, local gangster. Uh, he. He is in many ways a gangster because he's also a member of um, the government of Atlantic City. But it's, it's him uh, taking advantage of, of uh, prohibition uh, and his gang. And is is really great modern day example. I'm I'm happy that they're bringing it to American audiences and showing exactly what prohibition does. And it's full of murder and gore and 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 whatnot. But of course, I, you said it was uh, 91 years ago today. The show actually starts out on you know midnight of the day. 
where prohibition comes into effect, of course, they all celebrate by breaking in, you know, new bottles of champagne. Uh, but, I tell you, the, the best thing I've seen on alcohol was on the History Channel. Was uh, It was something like Rum Runners, Bootleggers, and Moonshiners or something like that, but it's a two-hour documentary. It is the absolute best thing I've ever... It, it just shows the sham of it and, of course, what's going on with the war on drugs today. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the analogies are amazing. It's amazing that the people managed to just sort of turn a blind eye uh, to hey, hey, how mind, I'll read this a little bit right here, and then I'll get off here. It okay. said, here's what's in the little thing in the paper, and, uh, commercial pill here in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, in 1920, Prohibition began in the United States as the 18th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Uh, it's a few facts about Prohibition. It passed to reduce crime, corruption, public spending on prisons and poor houses, and to solve problems and improve health. The murder rate wrote, rate increased from 5.6 per 100,000 to 10 per 100,000. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> the death rate from poison liquor quadrupled between 1920 and 1925. The number of prisoners in New York Sing Sing Prison grew 50% between 17, 1917 and 1922. Tax revenue from alcohol sales disappeared and public spending grew. Total wow. federal spending on prisons increased tenfold. Wow. In 1915 and 1932. And think of the right. effects from the war on drugs. All right. Well, caller, thank right. you for the, for the call. Okay. And um, if you'd like to call in at 603-435-1105, this is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to Free Talk Live, the Sunday co-host edition with your host, Neil. And Ryder. And Neil. Number to call is 603-435-1105. Again, it's 603-435-1105 to bring up any topic you like or to chime in on one of our topics. So uh, Nick is going to tell us about e-readers. Yeah, I have this article completely non-political, but I found it today and I found it interesting. The uh, headline is, e-readers are too easy to read. (laughs) Uh, and has long been assumed. Is this that, anything? You know, the typewriters used to be too easy to type on, and that's why they had to make them harder to type on. Oh, because oh, the yeah. things would get jammed. Yeah, it, that's why they people invented were typing too QWERTY. fast, and they had to make QWERTY to slow people's typing yeah. down so they wouldn't jam the typewriters. And now people are switching from QWERTY to only nerds really are doing this, but Dvorak. Oh. Do you know I, how to type on that? I've I tried don't. to learn, but then when I've I really don't. needed to type something, I just I I have to switch back. That would be crazy if you... I, 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 I'm, I've been on the QWERTY all my life. I'm not going to change. All right. Yeah. Anyway, it has long been assumed that displaying information more clearly and legibly will help readers uh, take it on board, meaning understand it better and remember it. But the truth could be the opposite, that making something easy to read causes the brain to be lazy. Rather than making things clearer, e-readers and computers prevent us from absorbing information because their crisp screens and fonts tell our subconscious that the words they convey are not important. It is claimed... In contrast, handwriting and fonts that are more challenging to read signal the brain that the content of the message is important and worth remembering. And uh, this is from, where is this from? So could we just replace the fonts with something more cryptic and cursive? Or Well, I heard Times New Roman is one of the hardest fonts to read, but it's one of the most common ones, especially in legal paperwork, which is interesting to hear. I can kind of see, if you read too quickly, I can see it not retaining as well. 
uh, you know, if if you you know being forced to slow down and take it in, you know, I can and with the e reader, you kind of just want to click that button, like yes, I got a new page number. Yes, I increased mm-hmm. my score. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I guess so. I, I, I can see that with a book too. Like you're, you want to get through a book. This if you got a really thick book, you oh. get. You gotta send, you know, look and see where you are. I'm like, oh my god, I got so much more to read. I, Atlas shrugged. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Did you do that thing where you look at the, you read the words, but as soon as you've read the word, you forgot what it was, and then you just go on to the next word? Uh, I did that a lot in English class for some reason, and I'm not. I'm, I don't do that word for word, but I have read an entire page of a book and realized I wasn't paying attention. And right. Yeah. Going right. That back happened and, to me for multiple pages at a time. Yeah. And not I, that I'm not an intelligent person, but reading was not. My strength, I guess. So yeah. I would forget what yeah. I had read. I take it slow a little bit just because I want to absorb with all of my senses the particular aspects of the book. Say, for instance, the smell, you know? But you got to get up close. <laughs> but, it was you, prob- but it was probably a book you chose had, to read, right? Not a book assigned by an English class. Right. I had someone ask me if gay people like to smell things. <laughs> I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And it's because they saw you... Smelling books? <laughs> Seriously? I, I don't. Like, where do you get? Like, how did you get to this? How is that a property of? The, I don't of know. I do not know. It's someone that, ah, uh, whatever. Oh, I like to smell other things too. But and I saw you doing it too, and I'm like, what is that? What in the heck is he doing? He's smelling books. But whatever. Anyway, this neuroscience blogger uh, found that he was less <laughs> likely to recall information that he had read on a Kindle, uh, even though he was reading, even though the reading experience was easier. He wrote on his frontal cortex blog, that's the name of the blog, that there are two ways of reading using the brain's ventral pathway through which the brain recognizes words and understands their individual meanings or the dorsal stream, which activates itself when we have to focus on an obscure word, awkward clause or illegible writing. So uh, if, if your brain is recognizing, the first one was that your brain recognizes words and understands their individual meanings, meaning you're reading the word and you know what the word means, but together as a whole group, of words, you don't necessarily retain the data as well. Because you didn't have to work for it. Right. He says, familiar sentences printed in Helvetica and rendered on lucid e-ink screens are read quickly and effortlessly. Uh, Meanwhile, unusual sentences with complex clauses and smudged ink tend to require more conscious effort. So he's basically just repeating himself that something that takes a little more effort to read, you're going to retain better. I could could see that, I guess. So I found that interesting. I found that interesting. He goes on, it often takes a lot of work to decipher someone's handwriting, and maybe that's why we remember handwritten notes a lot better than emails. Well, most handwritten notes are also personally directed to a person, so a, an individual. So if it's more important to you, you're probably going to retain that. Well, he's saying that in an email, which is also personal. Yeah. And, well, in theory. In theory. Some of them could be. I think he's implying that the same message sent to sent personally by email Will not be retained as well as a no, handwritten note. No, but Neil's right in that handwritten notes are always felt more personal than an email, even if it's personally written yeah. to you. So yeah. that's about it. It says uh, they actually go into what um, caused this claim or at least supports the claim. Researchers asked 28 participants aged 18 to 40 to learn a set of facts about three fictional species of alien, which were written in, well, I'm pretty offended that they would use that term alien, but uh, <laughs> which were written in different fonts. Those who read the facts in an easier-to-read Arial pure black font retained 14% less information than those who were given text uh, written with the less clear Comic, San- Comic Sans they used and uh, Bodoni MT, which I'm not sure what that looks like. be interesting that they chose Comic Sans. It's a pretty... Uh, that's like an all-caps um, 
Isn't that all caps? Have you been to it's Band like, Comic like Sans? I was just going to bring that up. It's a pretty funny. It's, it's like a. That's what they put in comic books. I think it's 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 normally a handwritten font that's like all caps. It's, I don't think it's all caps. It's meant to look like that, and huh. now it's just uh, used and abused. That and papyrus. I I saw just yesterday a, a shirt using uh, papyrus on the back. I had, if I can name the font that you're using, and if it's supposed to be your logo, that doesn't bode well for the uh, creative energy that you put behind <laughs> right. it. Right. I saw a video where someone would take a logo, like a Starbucks logo, and then convert it to Comic Sans and show it to someone <laughs> and ask them what they thought of all these different companies' logos converted into Comic Sans. Some of them they said fit, some of them didn't, but Comic Sans is supposedly just a jokey, non-serious uh, font. And I had a arrest report written about me. When I was one of the disorderly six, when we didn't leave that lobby, the uh, prosecutor, Eli Rivera, wrote his report in Comic Sans. And oh, wow. It. I had someone compliment me when I first started doing the comic. I wasn't using Comic Sans. I was looking. I ended up using something else. Uh, that's still kind of a, you know, seems like a comic strip kind of font, but uh, I can't remember, the, I can't remember mm-hmm. the name right now, what it is. I use it a lot, but I haven't done a comic in a while. So, <laughs> But um, they complimented me because I didn't use Comic Sans. There, there are even extensions now made for your, your browser that will automatically replace any Comic Sans on, <laughs> on a web page with Helvetica. Wow, this is, this is quite a campaign of hatred against this font. That's, that's impressive. Yeah, something you should be that, un, that, that, that. Something can be that undesirable. Bancomicsans.com, I think, was the website Neil is looking yes. at. Yep, that's right. right. What an internet meme. <laughs> you, you <laughs> can download and print propaganda. You can purchase stickers. This is a real campaign. I don't know or pretend to know what they, how they want to ban it. I don't think anyone's ever proposed. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about, when we get back from the next break, we're going to talk about a city putting a stop to homeless outreach. And this is a, a subject I like to talk about. I've seen a lot of these stories come up lately where someone's trying to feed the homeless, but because they're not using a commercial kitchen, they're not doing it the way the city wants them to it's do it. It's happening here, right? It's oh, yeah. happening. It's uh, Yeah, um, yeah, I believe so, actually. They it's happening have a, in Keene a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So a lot of these stories have been coming up, and uh, it's happening in Texas, so I'm going to talk some more about that after the break. Uh, you can call in at 603-435-1105 and talk about anything you like. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. This is the Sunday co-host edition with your host, Dale. And Ryder. And Neil. The number you can call is 603-435-1105. I'd like to encourage people to check out the AMP section of the website, amp.freetalklive.com. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote, and it's a a great way to help help get the message of liberty out to more and more people because that helps uh, expand the, the stations. So you can go to amp.freetalklive.com, and for a little $3 a month, you get all kinds of perks for being, uh, for being an amper. Uh, you get our, um, access to the, to the amp archives, which are without commercials. You get uh, access to certain portions of the forum that are not normally there. There's lots of nice little perks for being an amper. But the best thing is you get to help out the program to reach more audiences. So when we left at the, at the end of the last segment, we were talking about this uh, – the Houston in Houston, apparently, 
The city's trying to put a stop to homeless outreach. This is a couple that's trying to feed people. It says, Bobby and Amanda Herring spent more than a year providing food to homeless people in downtown Houston every day. They fed them, left behind no trash, and doled out warm meals peacefully without a single crime being committed, Bobby Herring said. That ended two weeks ago when the city shut down their feed-a-friend effort for lack of a permit. A, per- a permit for what? What do they uh, specifically do? We'll, we'll get into that. It says, it says, and city officials say the couple most likely will not be able to obtain one. <laughs> so it's better that you don't feed people at all than if you feed them the wrong, you know, the wrong way. And they're they're actually going to say that they're going to say, you know, no, no, these homeless people are better off because you know oh, they they could be putting razor blades in in that. that <laughs> well, not quite, not. but something along those lines. It says it says uh, it says we don't really know what they want. We just think that they don't want us down there feeding people. Said Bobby Herring, a Christian rapper who goes by the stage name Trey Nine. Anyone serving food for public consumption whether for the homeless or for sale, must have a permit, said Kathy Barton, a spokeswoman for the Health and Human Services Department. To get that permit, the food must be prepared in a certified kitchen with a certified Jeez. food manager. And a $5,000 commercial kitchen hood over this. Yeah, oh, yeah. For, yeah. You know, the, yeah, a commercial kitchen, you're talking 30000 plus. Mm-hmm. Easily, easily. Um, just just to more. rent that out, too, yeah. is at least a couple thousand a month. yeah. And it says the regulations are all the more uh, all the more essential in the case of the homeless, Barton said, because poor people are the most vulnerable to foodborne illness, and also are the least likely to have access to health care. You know, people are eating out of regular, <laughs> ordinary kitchens without permits mm-hmm. every day, most of the days of their lives, and doing pretty just fine. And and, and, and to suggest that someone should go hungry. Instead mm-hmm. of getting food that wasn't made in the in a permitted kitchen is just the just beyond absurd that's, to me. That's disgusting, especially when they may very well be picking out food out of dumpsters. To begin yeah, what are they going to do in, in a pinch if they don't if they don't get food from charities? And where are all the sick people dying from the church potluck if uh, if you can't prepare safe food in your kitchen? Wait, yeah, exactly. Can, exactly. And why are people dying? You know, all the time anyway, just from eating their own kitchens that aren't certified. Right, right. Um, so it says. It says Bobby Herring said these said those rules would preclude him, would preclude them from continuing to feed the sixty to one hundred and twenty people they assisted nightly for more than a year. The food had been donated from area businesses and prepared in various kitchens by volunteers or by his wife. And you know they don't have a single stat here to say oh some people got sick and had to go to the hospital. Not a single one hmm. for over a year. And, and are you going to tell me that what like let's say one let's say one person goes to the hospital sometime from from food poisoning. You're yeah. going to tell me that that is is worse than 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 for a year those people not eating. You know, these uh, food permits don't even prevent that. I've gotten food poisoning before from, Oh yeah. From, yeah. I won't mention the restaurant, but cuz I like them. <laughs> <laughs> but but I was doubled over the uh, my Heine was uh, <laughs> <laughs> right where my face was about uh, ten seconds earlier uh, for <laughs> oh. for days upon days, and and a permit's not going to keep that from me. Yeah. So it says he and his wife became involved in the effort several years ago when she would take leftover food from work to the homeless downtown. From there, it expanded into a full time effort for her working through Eyes on Me, the Herring's nonprofit organization that focuses on Christian themed youth outreach efforts. Nearly every day last year, they distributed food prepared or donated by volunteers or local stores at 6 p.m. at the corner of Commerce and San Jacinto. 
near the Harris County Jail, Bobby Herring said. So this is and, and you know the, the thing that's interesting about this, there's a little more. I'm going to go back, get up, get back to it. But I keep hearing stories like this. I've seen them on TV. I read about them all the time. Over and over again, there was, a, there was just recently, and we talked about it on Free Talk Live, there was something happening in Florida where there was, a, there was some people feeding some people in Florida, and they got, they got arrested. They got issued, or they issued a, I don't think they issued a citation or arrested, but they're trying to feed people in Florida. It was the same thing, not being permitted to do it and all that stuff. And <laughs> it's just appalling. The government wants us to be completely dependent on them. They don't want us to have charities and things that, that can work outside of them and, and take people outside of their control. You know, they want people dependent on them. It's it's like job security for them to keep stuff on like stuff like this from happening, right? It's a it's a state of subservience, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's a conspiratorial thing to say, but it's I don't see any other way it's, to it's, justify how, this. Yeah, Either how they're can completely anyone... retarded and they can't <sighs> they no offense to anyone. Anyway, <laughs> this is from Houston and Texas News, by the way. Or it's called Cron Houston and Texas Houston Houston and Texas News. But uh, you know, this is fairly it's gotten fairly national it's gotten national attention and you would think that that would be just horrible publicity for any public official to come out and say oh we're gonna stop people from feeding the homeless you know you think that that would just like you know it's one of those things that okay maybe there's a law in the books but you just don't pursue it you know no just drop it because they're feeding homeless people no way. You know, they're not out trying to get rich off this you know and if that politician happens to have an affair with a attractive young female that gets the news that gets the outrage that gets the uh, uh pouring of, of yeah. opposition from the moral majority or, or what have you not simple things that seem almost intrinsic to you mentioned that these are um or at least one example is a christian rapper that seem almost intrinsic to what they purport to be you know a charitable organization uh helping those in need not stirring up bs over over someone's private life i think one of i wonder how much of this too is is nimby stuff like not in my backyard because people like they don't want they don't want the homeless people that's to be there that's a huge issue in Mm keene i work at a homeless shelter i volunteer at a homeless shelter here in keene is that what we're saying nick well, they want what is it? They want the homeless people to go go to the next town over for help. Right? Don't they don't. Here. They don't want them yeah. to be seen. They don't want them visible. They don't want. It's like a scourge on their community or whatever to see that there are people that are desperate in need or whatever. And they and they don't want. You know, I think it just it just kind of looks bad. You know, like maybe they're worried about their their home values going down or something. And and so I think I think there's some of that because it seems like some of the times they're they're doing it somewhere. And this is a way to get rid of them. It's like, oh, I don't want that happening here. So, so you're going to have to get a permit if you want to stay here. Now, uh, so you sweep them under the rug. And even in, uh, even when they're out of view of, of most people in Gainesville, there was a, a tent city in Gainesville, Florida. And uh, just a couple of years ago, while I was still there, they just uprooted everyone. And where else are they going to go except you know, downtown and hanging out in even more visible locations? Yeah. But there weren't. There really wasn't any crime happening there that was, you know, made public. That was their uh, stated reason, though, is because it's a, a site of lawlessness and, and we need order. So, Dale, can yeah. you, I don't know if this is against confidentiality, can you share some of the reasons that some of the people are homeless? Is it ex, <clears throat> ex-cons? Is it alcohol? Is it some? You know, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to say in any detail about specific people. I could probably just talk in general terms. And, and, but my impression is 
Right. I think a lot of it's just it's just the economics of the times right now. A lot of people. I mean, yeah, there's people. I mean, there are some people who have maybe you know maybe alcohol or drug problems or something that probably contributes to it. And there's things, but 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 I'd say the bulk of it is just just people down on their luck. I Most mean, of them are just, just unemployed. Yeah, people. You know, and a lot of them, you know, are they're honestly having employment issues. You have people who used to be construction, you know, do do construction, on, you know, or something like that, and then that field is just like. The work just isn't there like it used to be, and now they're just now they're trying to find work at a fast food restaurant or something. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of it's just the economy. So um, we'll get with some more in this article. So I want to talk some more about it when we get back. You can call in at 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. Sunday co-host edition of Free Talk Live with your host, Dale. And Ryder. And Neil. You can call in. And still a little bit of time remains. If you call in now, you can call 603-435-1105. And uh, we were just talking about this couple that has made it a full-time job to, to feed the homeless, basically, uh, in, in Houston, Texas. And it says that they were looking for a new solution. On November 8th, they were approached by Houston police officers and asked to provide food at another location under an overpass at Commerce and Travis Streets, adjacent to Buffalo Bayou, he recalled. They were happy to move to the new location and continue to provide food there until December 30th, when a park ranger and two police officers told them they would have to stop until they could obtain a permit. See, I think we're getting into this. Someone someone complained, I think. Oh, Uh, NIMBY, not in my backyard. Don't do this here. Because the new area to which they had moved is on city park land, they need... Permission and permits from both the Parks Department and Health Department. Because city ordinances would prevent them from obtaining the needed permit, Bobby Herring said he is hoping to find a new solution, perhaps working through a church with a permit or finding a downtown location that would allow them to continue to help the homeless. Amanda Herring said she was frustrated at the city's sudden stance. I'm just really sad, she said. I can't believe for a year we were right out in the open and never had anybody tell us to leave, to stop, to tell us it was wrong. Yeah, it's wrong to feed the homeless lady. (laughs) (laughs) I'm blindsided with it. Um, Designed to protect. This is Connie Boyd, president and CEO of the Coalition Coalition for the Homeless of Houston-Harris County, uh, applauded the Herring's efforts but defended the city's stance. Oh, wow. What a a loser. What what an anti-hero. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Listen, we absolutely need more people like them who care about this vulnerable population, and, and the way we're going to get more people like that is to crack down on them and punish them whenever they try to help people. She doesn't say that, but <laughs> Boyd said, even though their intentions are good, they ran into ordinances that are designed to protect the public. There are good reasons why they're in place. They just no one wants to. De- this is BS. I can't believe someone. People just can't defy. You know, people don't want to defy the government because their faith is in this thing. They need it to be this this irrational, like authority that's going to keep everything in order, and it doesn't really do that. But they need to have that faith, and so they're not going to defy it. And, their you know, head and imply is, it. their head is stuck inside the maze that is city ordinance and state law and all sorts of things. And I can yeah. see where they're coming from. But you need to grow the ability to think outside of that and, and look yeah. at it from a think moral critically perspective, of this. too. You need to see when something bad, is, when it's doing something bad. This is, this is ridiculous. Boyd said the Herrings or any like-minded individuals could use her organization to connect with more than 200 groups and agencies that provide aid to the homeless and possibly stake out a partnership. 
Barton said city officials in the past had considered passing a public feeding ordinance that would make it easier for people like the Herrings to comply with rules designed to protect people's health and well-being. The ordinance could involve easier and cheaper permitting processes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, She said, although there had not been discussion of the matter for some time, ordinance review city councilwoman Wanda Adams, who has been an advocate for the homeless during her tenure, they're just fluffing these people up. An advocate for the homeless. Who, who can read, uh, read this? And you know what? Put your money where your mouth it. is. Act. Don't just say you're. You know, the, politicians get out and just. They just. I, I've seen them here too in Keene. Just sickens me. Just come out and get. You know, talk. Just talk. You know, they're not. They don't. They're. You're not helping anything. You're just coming out and like getting in the limelight. There's like, you know, 150 volunteers busting their ass helping out, mm-hmm. and you're getting up there and like. You know, trying to upstage because you're a politician, and it just sickens me. They, they, they enforce it sickens me. You know, the mayor cut the uh, the opening thing for the hundred night shelter. Did he? I don't oh know. yeah, I, I I'm not getting into that. I I just I'm not talking about any specific instance. Hey, for, for, all, for all I know, for all I know, he went and installed the sprinklers himself. He, I he, can't yeah. say you're you're fired up. Did Dale. or did Come not on, tackle it? But. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know about all that. I'm not going to get into that. So, But uh, it says, I'm very passionate about what they're doing. She said, somebody needs to make sure our homeless people are being taken care of. We have to look as a city to see if there are other ways we can partner with people like this who are trying to help. So she just said a bunch of words, and meanwhile, they can't feed people anymore. So D- don't do words, lady. Go make something happen. Whatever. I guess that just, that just I'm just... Oh, man, it gives me bristling. <laughs> it really does. It's just... <laughs> and at the same time, she's taking money from the mouths and tables of people. Oh, yeah, her salary is yeah. paid for with stolen money. But no, no, you can't feed people without a permit. I don't have any problem making a living off of money that was taken from people under threat of being put in prison if they don't shell it up. But I have a problem with people feeding homeless people without a permit. Get your morals straight. Get your morals straight. That's so screwed up. They don't. They don't have morals. They have what the law is and what the law isn't. And like I said before, that's where they're stuck. Well, they they agree with the law, do they not? I mean that they're using it for their own ends. If this were not the law, don't you think they'd be pushing uh, for it so that they could have more power? They're, they're, not they necessarily. Either have a lack of uh, scruples, or they just don't care. You Those laws ta- are in place because there are there are wet restaurants who uh, already have all that stuff and paid for permits, and they don't want the, the possibility. And, and this might not be a restaurant that's in competition with them or something like that, but there are restaurants who paid for protection. They paid their protection fees to keep other people out of the market, and they don't want some, 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 some self-starter to go out and right. make a restaurant and compete with them without going through all the hoops and everything they had to jump through. You know, That's their protection fees. They paid the mafia to keep other people from competing with them, so... And how are you going to break the racket except for uh, standing up? And now this, this is a side at, effect of that, yeah. basically. Sorry, I, I'm I'm happy that they're not dissuaded in their in their overall mission, but you know at the same time they haven't grown it yet. But unfortunately, right. a lot of people cones. are dissuaded from starting businesses or charities because they start they get the idea, they look into it. It's either too hard to do because of the licensing, or they start the licensing process and six months in they're like. Forget it. And uh, yeah, how much potential? How much potential are we losing? We we don't see it though. It's a, it's, 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 it's exactly unseen. it's the unseen damage. You don't know what would have happened. You don't know who people who who tried to start a business and didn't. You you hardly see people who barely got started and failed. You don't realize how many jobs might have been created that weren't. 
You only hear about the jobs that were stimulated, right? So there's a stimulus. You see, oh, some uh-huh. jobs were created. But you don't think, you don't realize how many people, because of permitting, because of taxes, because of money taken out of the economy that was, that was taxed out of the economy, you don't see how many people, how many jobs that weren't created because people just didn't have, didn't have the money. People weren't buying, they weren't buying as much stuff from so-and-so business because they were taxed more. Or they didn't, some business didn't get to start because the, the regulations were too complicated. And uh, this is seen. I'm glad this is seen. People are seeing that people mm-hmm. are not being allowed to feed the homeless over this BS. When, but, it, when it makes the news. Uh, How often do we not see? I, I want to close with this great story. We got maybe just, just enough time to cover it. It says, urinating policewoman art <laughs> raises hackles in Germany. And I just love this piece of art. I said, you know, it says it makes, I say it makes a statement. I don't know what the statement is. I just know I like it. Okay. It says uh, <laughs> she's in full riot gear. A prize-winning lifelike sculpture of a squatting policewoman urinating has whipped up a storm of protest in Germany where it went on prominent display last week. The work, entitled Petra by 27-year-old German sculptor Marcel Wallerdorf, is made of silicone and metal and has pitted public officials against art world aficionados in the debate over what is acceptable in the name of high culture. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call Amazing. this high culture, but I love it. You know, Is that anything new, though, for art? I mean, no. uh, back in the 30s. It's I, always being I, offensive. I, yeah. A, a signed urinal was art. Oh, loving. Yeah. It depicts a young female police officer in full riot gear. This is what I love about it. It's a riot gear police officer. So it's really, it's like humiliating these, 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 these very visually violent looking people. Uh, so it's um, in full riot gear, crouching to pee with exposed buttocks and a small gelatin puddle affixed to the floor of the gallery at the Academy of Fine Arts in Dresden, Eastern Germany. Their work entitled Petra was completed one year ago. They already said it was entitled Petra. Uh, it was uh, completed one year ago and has captured a 1,000 euro, that's equivalent to about $1,300, prize by the prestigious Leinemann Foundation for the Fine Arts. It shows very well the difference between the public sphere and the private sphere, the jury said. But Saxony Interior Minister Marcus Olbig, who is responsible for the state's security services, told the German press he was shocked by the sculpture. Sculpture which he branded an insult to police officers. See, that's why is that bad? Why is that bad? Okay. The GDP police union also blasted the piece, saying it breached the limits of artistic freedom. There have Really? I don't know. How, how, how limited should artistic freedom be? Uh, there, have been, there have, of course, been letters of protest, particularly addressed to the artist, a spokeswoman for the Academy of Fine Arts, Andrea Wyport, told AFP, but she insisted that the public response had been overwhelmingly positive. People who visit the show are not offended, she said. She said she was surprised by the attention given to the display of Petra in Dresden as it had already been featured in smaller shows in the cities of Berlin and Leipzig. The artist is exploring a taboo zone. Petra is not a provocation, she said. It is an observation of society. Oh, I think it could geez. be both. What's, what's, <sighs> what's the taboo? I mean, urination in modern art isn't new either. It's a so, police officer. It's embarrassing the police. You shouldn't be depicting a police officer in a humiliating situation like that. They're, they're supposed heroes. to be honored. They're ve- they're heroes. They're supposed to be honored, and they're above especially human. when they're in riot gear. Well, like, what if they were at a what if they were at a, the Republican convention and they were in riot gear and they were arresting people who were? I think naked? it's I think it's tasteless and has no artistic value. But that's what I think. But <laughs> for the police to get riled up over it is also a waste of their time. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so, I don't know. How, you know, a police. I think it's awesome. <laughs> I guess uh, you know. Check it out for yourself. Google yeah, image. check it out for yourself. Uh, This has been Free Talk Live. Thanks for joining us.